Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 22nd of December 2019. I hope you're all hanging in there in the colder climates that seem to be impervious to the supposed global warming we're having. Because the temperatures here have been absolutely frigid for a long time. And I've found that in the last few years, the winters are lasting longer and becoming heavier, in fact, with snow and so on. But but right now, it's not just the snow, it's incredibly cold temperatures, often down to about 10, 15, 20 below the freezing mark, and, and Fahrenheit, that is, right? at night, and not much better during the day. I think the other day there, it, was, uh, it didn't get above the zero mark. And this occasionally will happen at the end of December into January, although February is often the worst month for, for being cold, very, very cold temperatures. As I say, the more global warming we get, the colder it is here, and the longer the winters for sure. Mind you, they were spraying like crazy the other day, the, 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 the trails back and forth across the sky. Where I am in the Sudbury area, I'm out, well, well outside Sudbury, and Sudbury itself only has two or three planes a day going, going up and down. The, the sky was littered with the, the trails of, of jets back and forth all over the place. So I, I won't even go into the things they call you can... As you quote the, the actual articles from universities and so on, and people involved on the panels of uh, geoengineering, as they call it, when you quote them, you're called the conspiracy theorist. Isn't it amazing today where uh, the psychological warfare is so great that you're immediately slandered by the establishment uh, or its agencies uh, just for noticing things. I remember two years ago, I was thinking about that too. I was on a, a show by Stanley Monteith. He, he was, he had a really good show. He asked me, it, it, he says, tell me, he says, tell me something about yourself. What, what, what made you, he, he knew I was up there and, and understanding what was happening and so on with information. And he, and he says, um, what, what made you or brought you to the stage where you understood things? And I, I quipped, I, I joked. I said, well, I think I was born with a form of autism that helped me see the world as it really was. And I don't think he really caught that I was joking about it, but that's how it really is. Uh, Maybe you're lucky or unlucky, it depends on how you see it, because ignorance, they say, is bliss. And having knowledge about what's happening doesn't make you terribly happy at times, because you see an incredible evil, and that's the only word I can use, is evil, of uh, powerful institutions and sometimes countries and things that they do. And again, the incredible gain that those at the top of these different institutions and countries gain for themselves financially and and, and for positions of power as they get boosted up a ladder, because there definitely is a big global agenda here. We are so brainwashed. We're brought up to be brainwashed into Plato's Cave. And I used to give talks about Plato's Cave, then it became awfully popular and everybody started to use it. But the idea is, if you're born in the cave, and you, you can never look backwards to, to, the, to the mouth of the cave, and so you, all you see is the shadows cast by the firelight on, on the walls and so on, and the elders will sit and discuss what all these shadows mean, because they haven't got a clue what's outside, or if, even if there is an outside, to one person gets out and, and travels a bit of the world and comes back and tells them, and they want to kill him because uh, the, the, he's disrupting their belief system of reality. 
Now, all the reality is, is now in jeopardy, and he, he is, he's threatened to be killed and murdered. Well, that is the real world you're in. Yet we're all in Plato's cave. We're brought up to be in Plato's cave. When you go through, and should take some time and do it, so much of the declassified information on psychological warfare from government agencies, uh, you'd be astonished. Uh, just at that alone, never mind the, the much, much bigger and deeper and secretive agendas to do with brainwashing you, average citizenry. Because we're targets. Populations are targets of a global agenda, quite naturally. And those at the top want to fill their pockets awfully well as they bring the world into terrible conflicts in order to get the resolutions further along the road to the global governmental system. Uh, they have no problem at the top of, of filling their pockets. In fact, you, you can see that this, what's going on even with some of the, uh, like Biden's son and the news and the money he's been getting for nothing, basically. And the thing is, the, the people at the top really believe it's their right to plunder you. They honestly do. You have to look into the people who are at the top and they have a very deep belief that they have the right to plunder you. And there's nothing wrong with it. And that's a fact. I could go much, much deeper, but, uh, but I won't. But the, we're living in a world today uh, uh, that's on the edge. It's always on the edge, mind you, because we're kept, we're brought up at living in crisis, one crisis after another, financial or war, whatever it happens to be. And as I used to say, uh, when I thought back over the 20th century, uh, uh, even, from the, even from the 19th century, it was just one crisis after another. People don't know that there was a, a depression in the 1800s, one in, in the late 1800s, there'd been a few, but in the late 1800s, when three bankers in the US did, did a similar thing that, that Soros did much later with Britain and crashed the economy and plundered it. And then you, in, in Britain, for instance, you had wars on the go, the Boer War, that they had occupied a good part of India too and uh, in Africa, but they had the Boer War with the Dutch settlers, and uh, because they all wanted uh, the gold and the diamonds and so on. Because those at the head of the, the Alfred Milner group it was, uh, their kindergarten and so on, they became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council for Foreign Relations. They, they, they said quite openly that they, they wanted to take over the world and bring in, they called it a British system. Well, the British folk would probably say, oh, that's quite nice, but it's nothing you do with the British system until you get out the cave and realize that the British system isn't your system. <laughs> you understand? And nothing's changed. And the group that ran it in, in Milner's day, often they had their descendants running it today, in fact, some of them. And again, feeling they're very, very wealthy today with the plunder they've got and so on. But that's a rightful place to do, you see. Is, is they're helping you all come to a world peace, it's only, it's only right they reward themselves with, with lots of loot, you understand? That's how they rationalize things. Uh, but it's fascinating to, to, as I say, have the insight into it. So much of it growing up, uh, at least... You could glean from books in some of the libraries in Britain. Uh, I'm sure they've all gone, most of the books have gone now, mind you. 
Uh, but uh, back then, you could peruse lots of books put out by uh, under memoirs and so on, and and biographies, not biographies of people who were players in the game, the big game for world empire and world control, and 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 they would tell you uh, their go- their goals to do with with. with Gaining finances, etc., and having a secure financial system across the planet, as long as they themselves run it, you see. That was part of the plan. But they also believed in, in really accumulating the world's resources and under a handful, or maybe even a dozen or two dozen corporations. Everything that you would need as a nation or a bunch of nations to survive, everything that's your energy, your food, everything to be eventually owned by a few corporations. And then you'd have total power over the world. All for peace, you understand. In reality, you'd have billions of people totally subservient to you. And you'd have a massive bureaucracy deciding how many calories would get dished out here, there, and elsewhere. Well, nothing's really changed. It's just more dressed up in scientific terminology today with many disguises, sustainability, etc., etc., to achieve the same goals. But those at the top, uh, still, of course, and, and they, they do have incredible power over everything you need to survive, all kinds of energy. You try and survive in Canada, you could bring where I am, my area here in Ontario, to its knees, where I live, if they forbid you to, to cut wood, for instance, to heat yourself in the winter. They've done their best already, and lots of folk are quite happy, fork out massive sums of money, uh, either for oil heating for their furnaces, or propane uh, in this area. But uh, I stand by for so many people, especially in emergencies too, because when the, when the electricity goes out with, with winds and, and storms and so on here, then you have to have some way of heating it or you die. You see, <laughs> that's what happens. And uh, so you need the wood as a standby. But I can remember even as far back as the 90s when some of the far, far global left-wingers at that time wanted to ban chainsaws, for instance, and things like that. But these are things which are vital for, for even emergency survival. So can you imagine what happens when you have a few companies Using government, mind you, getting government to pass laws and so on, so that you must you must use their resources, their energy, which which the corporations own, uh, and so on. So you're living under a fascist system that, that pretends it's, it's really there for the people. It's socialistic, uh, but really socialism, fascism is the same darn thing. When government is used to enforce policies of corporations, and you have to get out of the of the terminology that can mislead you. As, they, as I say, they keep camouflaging themselves all the time, all for the social good, you understand. They take your rights away from you. But again, back to technocracies I've mentioned before, that was their agenda. That they, they would own all, the group at the top, the, the proper folk, you see, the folk who, should, who, who saw themselves as entitled to run the world and own it all too, would, would be dispensing of energy here, there, and so on in a very humane way because they were uh, that far more virtue, you see, than the average peasant. 
And nothing has honestly changed except uh, the, the, the colluding with so many different sections and paying scientists off to uh, give them the, the proper propaganda to confuse the general public so she can give you up all your rights and so on and just accept it again for the greater good and for your own survival. Crisis, crisis, crisis. So from the 1800s, bank collapses, all brought about. Uh, and these collapses made, actually, today is be billions of dollars in today's money. The, the, the three bankers that the collapsed the economy in the States happened. It, that's, in fact, it was their, their big crash that brought about that helped uh, eventually... The next part of the con, we need a, an organization to stop this from happening. And so they, they gave the Federal Reserve to America, you see. And the bankers who caused it all ended up running it all. It's, it's quite fantastic to see the cons that go on. And that's what I was talking to uh, Dr. Stanley Monteith about. Was that, how the cons, are, uh, you, can, you can actually see them, how they start them. And how they build to what they want and and step by step by step. The public are always in a state of panic or fear, are only seeing the, 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 to the end of their nose no further because they want to survive. That's a survival mode. And, and they're stampede from one step to the next step to the next, all parts of the plan, until you're totally uh, in a system of a form of slavery, really. That's what it is. Uh, slavery can take many forms. Again, don't be... Deceived by terminology. Slavery, remember, was being used. You're being used as an animal uh, by those who own you, uh, by using your labor to do whatever work that the, the owners wanted done. Uh, and that's why they couldn't tax labor for a long time. Uh, they always wanted it, they were chomping at the bit, uh, because after all, and they had meetings, I, even, I remember even getting the papers on it, the meetings that they had uh, about uh, slavery in the 1800s, and, and the Rothschilds family were involved in drafting up a, a very clever plan, this, is, this isn't conspiracy, you can actually find it. Where they advised the, the, the America, the, the, the slave owners of the, the, the America, and they weren't all in the South, by the way, as you well know, hopefully. But uh, they advised them, it's far better if you could introduce a taxation form from, and, and get money from the work of everybody. That way, you, you won't have to feed the slaves. And when slaves get old, you have to, you have to keep them and feed them. And otherwise, the rest of the slaves might just have, a, have had enough and overthrow you. You see, that, that's what they honestly discussed as, as a, a matter of fact uh, business proposition. And he, but he said if you could just have a, a system that they'd already brought into Britain, actually, very early on, of a centralized banking system where the government would be uh, helped, put, helped is the word, I guess, to borrow from the centralized bank, which was still private, but given a, a very national name, you see. And with a guarantee that the money that was borrowed by the government for whatever it was, you know, like for example, foreign wars, for instance, um, would be paid back to the bank that helped fund it all by the bank's right to tax. 
But they could also disguise that by having a separate government agency set up, an independent agency that would do the taxing for this bank. I'm not kidding you. It's fascinating to read this. And then the population would have to pay taxes on their labor, you see. And after a generation, that's only sort of 20, 25 years or so, they, they could say that the public would uh, accept that. They, they started to forget that it wasn't always this way. We would adapt very quickly, you see. And that way, you could have wars across the world for plunder and different things like that. Uh, borrow from the bank to finance it, and the bank would be happy to get it all back in tax collection. It wasn't unusual. That used to be the way in the Middle Ages, when kings and queens, when they didn't have the kind of governments that they have today, the kings and queens would borrow for their treasury or for their armies or whatever it happened to be. And um, they brought in foreigners to collect the taxes. They would lend the money to the government on the condition that they would round, they would go, literally go round and collect the taxes. Long history of all. But, but it's astonishing. See, labor couldn't be taxed for a long, long time because you, you were either free or you were... You were a bondsman, you were held under debt, you see. And if you an even tax that they claimed you owed was then considered as debt if you didn't pay off. Uh, fascinating stories doing it all, but again, uh, everybody pays it today up. Why? Because you're afraid. You're afraid. And as long as you're earning enough to, to get by and you've got lots of entertainment and so on, uh, you, you, you tend to, to put these things to the side. Oh, well, you know. What else can we do, yada, yada, yada? And no one wants to stick their head up and say, well, stop paying your taxes. <laughs> and you know how far you'll get with that anyway. But uh, we're all slaves. Of course we're slaves. And I mentioned before that Charles Galton Darwin, who was one of the many people who who helped work with Bertrand Russell and the Macy Group and all the other groups that helped create the present system and culture for, for that we're living in today, with the changes that they would bring in. Because uh, the whole culture was reinvented, basically, post-World War II, for those who didn't know. And it was authorized uh, by even the President of the United States at the time, at the end of the war. And, uh, and Britain played along with it too, naturally. So anyway, uh, this system is well underway. Many things have been achieved. And the same goals that were set up back in the 1800s, late 1800s by Lord Alfred Milner, that, that became, as I say, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization with a royal charter, uh, to set up a, a world empire based on the British system. As is getting back to the original point, you understand what they're saying it has two meanings. The British system is a completely different system ruling over Britain than the people who are brought and raised up in Britain understand it. They, 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 have no, they have no idea either. But the ones who own them call it the British system, you see. It's quite, it's quite fascinating. And yeah, it's the Plato's Cave Syndrome. People are, are very docile today. Getting back to what I says with The Next Million Years by Charles Galton Darwin. He said, he said slavery in his book, Slavery has always existed in one form or another, and I suppose it will continue to exist. You understand what they're saying? In one form or another. And everyone who, who votes thinks they're free, but they're not. You're not free at all. You have so many obligations put upon you, even to be a citizen. And part of the obligation is to, to pay taxes, you see. 
If you pay taxes on your labor, then no, you're not free at all. You're a slave, but you're a self-sustaining slave because you pay for your own clothing, for your food and your shelter, and to keep alive. You pay for all yourself. Uh, and it's far better that way. And you even pay for either a retirement fund or into one or, or, or whatever it happens to be to take care of you when you get old and sickly. And of course, now, of course, we can get euthanasia. Um, and it's much more efficient, isn't it, for this system that we're, that we're in. We, we truly are running a, in a, a very clever system. And it's not conspiracy. Actually, it, it's, it's perfect in a sense. Because most of the folk never figure it out. That's how perfectly you're, you're raised in the, clay, the Plato's Cave. Perfect conditioning works very, very well. And it's perfect conditioning. Where, where people you know will say, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy, you know. Because it's unthinkable that these things happen and you're trained to believe things in the way that you do believe. And you might even go off and fight for things thinking it's all right and true. And, and many did. That was the way in my generation uh, that thought that was the right way to, to be, to fight the terrible Cold War of the terrible communist system. Uh, never realizing, of course, that so much of that was bogus too. And those who ran it all, way above you all, were going to use it to bring in a, a global society uh, with, with all the... Uh, the, the learned things from the social Soviet experiment incorporated into the new system. The same thing that they found in the States when they had the Congress sent out the commissions to, to investigate. I think it was actually the Senate was sent them out, and Norman Dodd was sent out with the, under the Rees Commission to, to find out why the big tax-free foundations, these multi-really billionaires really, who, ran them, who owned them, these private families and, and their private foundations, that financed armies of NGOs and social movements and so on, why they seemed to be promoting communism. Your top capitalists were promoting communism. And eventually, I think it was the head of the, the Ford Foundation at the time, uh, told them, Norman Doddy said, we work to change the culture that eventually the Soviet system and the American system can be blended together event down the road. And so, so the, the, the techniques that the Soviet used, they found out what worked and what didn't work were blended into the system. And uh, I would say we're far more obedient today, especially in America, than they used to be. At one time, Americans individually would stand up when their rights and freedoms were threatened. But today, uh, much, much less so. Much less so. So, again, perfect conditioning works awfully well. And then again, every country under the United Nations had a department after the war, a culture department, Britain, America, Canada, all these different countries, a department of culture. And I used to, th when I was young, in school, I thought, why would you have a department of culture when we are the people and we are the culture? Well, the whole point of it is to change the culture and committees who, that work on, on what they saw as um, necessary changes that would have to be made in the culture. After the World War II, of course, they planned to destroy the cultures as they'd stood, and especially marriage. That was all the, all the Marxian concepts, again, had to be fulfilled. Uh, the communist ones, the end of uh, private property eventually, they hoped to, to achieve, except, except for the very, very wealthy. 
They wanted to wipe out the middle class. And they were awfully successful in doing it. Uh, they would bring in a form under the guise of free trade, of countries being interdependent, meaning no country could be nationalistic and totally self-sufficient um, in, in a peaceful world. So therefore, they make you all interdependent. So for vital things you would need as a nation to survive, you'd have to import them. You wouldn't be allowed to grow them or whatever it happens to be in your own country. And so you'd have to import them. You'd be interdependent. And as far right up to Margaret Thatcher's day, she was pushing the same ter- terminology, interdependence, which obviously meant you, you, at the end of sovereignty. If you need other countries for your basic survival, then you, you will not be sovereign. And they had articles about that too, giving up sovereignty for peace, etc. The same thing was pushed. The exact same thing was pushed when 9-11 happened. The dust hadn't settled before all the papers on cue at the same time across America and Britain and elsewhere. Would you give up, and the man in the street interview, would you give up uh, personal sovereignty or national sovereignty for safety? I mean, it was all orchestrated in advance. Of course it was. Nothing changes, but agendas go on. It's very sad, to me it's very sad, to, to look at the old books from, say, the 1970s or even earlier, much earlier, and you see uh, the powerful players who were involved in the big think tanks that also had the ability to set up processes and committees to, to implement their policies from the think tanks, from the policies they came up with, and, and to see society being wrecked on cue, step by step by step, including with industry, where they said they would deindustrialize the West. Deindustrialize, you understand. Maurice Strong in Canada, with his biodiversity treaty, etc., part of the same sustainability agenda, was very vocal about the complete deindustrialization of the, uh, of the West and, and bringing us into a pre industrial uh, climate, basically, economic climate. So you're talking about subsistence, folks, basic subsistence. Austerity. When you see it happening, and you see the people, uh, and you've read their books, of, of the players who helped set it all up, and again implemented, you have no, no option but to come to the conclusion that this is an agenda. Of course it's an agenda. They tell you in their books it's an agenda. The United Nations Agenda 21 is called the United Nations Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century. It was also called the Millennium Project. They blended the two together. Now it's the next part is 2030. You see, but so the agenda for the 21st century is for the whole, the whole, all the different things that have to be implemented and 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 working before the century's through. Big changes. The end of rural living, right? With the guys, it'll be unsustainable to have roads in the country where, where occasional houses are and houses that don't have nothing to do with farming, so they shouldn't exist there, etc., etc. Get everybody into, into the cities. And, of course, the only folk you'll have in the country will be like the Russian elite in the, in the Politburo and all the civil servants who will have their dash house in the country, you see. They'll be paid for by the taxpayer, no doubt. Nothing changes, except, except actually, 
the occasional person here or there catches on to it. And for every person who, who has a natural ability to catch on to it and figure things out, you'll have a hundred uh, put out there to thwart you. Uh, at least, you know, for every person who wakes up and by themselves, that is, an innate ability to do so, it, it, that person's a threat. And, and that person's noticed straight off the bat. And there'll be a hundred, at least, as I say, copycats put out, well-funded, who use the same material that you're putting out and then spin it off into ridiculous things to discredit the material and the people who put it out, like yourself, who started it off, perhaps. And that's called counterintelligence. Because knowledge is power, and this kind of knowledge is awfully powerful. And so it doesn't just get along by itself. You must bring in all kinds of confusion into basic data, basic information. And, and when you bring in all the confusion and, and, the, and the ridiculousness of some of the, the things that are attached to it, you've got a good chance of discrediting uh, the true information. Oh, yeah, you'll be off and sucking blood off people's necks or something like that, or whatever it happens to be there. You understand what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And that's called counterintelligence. Well-funded. And when you see people who have books that just churned out, more, I've seen people who, who put more books out per year than, than I go to the bathroom. Well, of course they don't write them. And as you go through their books, sure enough, whoever really, or agencies that put them together, just take whole chapters of other, every other book out there by genuine people, throw it together, then put it in the spin. That's how it's done. It costs money to do all that. Big money. Big money. Absolutely. Even to get your books promoted across the world takes big money. You just start thinking about things and stop just following people. Counterintelligence. Counter, counter, counter. You counter the intelligence by ridiculing it eventually. And when, when, you, when you see something that's absolutely ridiculous be promoted by someone, and that person's promoted by other... You, you've got this, these, these people must see what's going on here. Of course they see what's going on. There's very little out there today that, that's genuine. Very little, honestly. Absolutely. And other folk were, were put out of the picture altogether, completely, financially and so on. That's how they, they generally get you out of the way. And the dirty tricks that go on, you would not believe behind the scenes. Because people really want to believe they're free. They, they truly want to believe that. It's a sad, sad commentary that most folk, and I suppose it's the same with the studies that say were done on revolutions in the past, but most folk go by the statistics of previous experiments, like the U.S., for instance, um, in its war for independence, whatever the, the real cause, and I really have no suspicions about it too, <laughs> And I think people should do uh, have some healthy suspicions about things of their founders and so on. And, but they say there was only three percent of the U.S. population at that time, three percent. So you would say three three men at that time, three men out of every hundred, actually partook in the fighting against Britain at that time. So I would imagine that that's a pretty good average of of times from other experiences of humanity in different countries for different things too. It's always a small minority who actually do the, the, the heavy, heavy work or dying or whatever it happens to be. 
But in a society of living today of information and excess data, where I've even read the articles put out by counterintelligence agencies talking about data, overloading the public with data, 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 you see, until they switch off. And then, then you give them conflicting data. For, first, it's, a, it's an image that's very similar to the data, like a duplication. And then you, you tack the spin onto it, and then more spin. But eventually, you, you've got opposing mirror image data that, that causes total uh, cognitive dissonance, they call it. And uh, it works awfully, awfully well, this technique. And today, with mass communication, and everyone's carrying their cell phones and so on, and getting the same news from the same sources and so on and so on and so on, it's, it's, it's so simple to do. So simple and very effective. But we're living through a, an amazing time when we're seeing, they call it a deep state in America. Well, London's got this deep state. Of course it has. I've talked before about assassination squads that MI5 and MI6 have. Remember the movie too, The Good Shepherd, which was very tame in actuality of how things are done in reality. I had to laugh too with the, with the whole I, the, the thing about the Britain and the Skirpal case with the poisoning and all that and blaming Russia and yada yada yada. And uh, so much evidence has come out since then to really make it a laughing stock to an extent, even though it's serious and deadly and all that. But you can never, ever, ever use your own conscience to judge how far governments are going to go because they're way, way beyond any, any conscience of you to get what they want. That's when you start learning about things. There's countless cases of folk of, of getting assassinated, down, not just down through history, but even in recent history, or even the last hundred years and so on, in the Western countries. And of course, accidents are easy, easy to do, hit and runs and so on. And in the US, it's very, very simple. With uh, drive-by shootings, for instance, uh, many of the cases of these drive-by shootings hit people who literally were targeted for extinction. And, oh, there just happened to be a bunch of people walking along the sidewalk. No, 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 no. Uh, the best assassinations in that case, cheap to do and so on, are to use a lot of people to get the one person you're after. The aircraft have been down before with other passengers just to get the one person. It makes it look more plausible. Well, just engine failure or pilot error or whatever it happens to be. This kind of thing happens, absolutely. When, some, when, when it's worth it, they'll, they'll do it, believe you me. That's how it's done. But we're so, we're so trusting because, you see, the higher you go in anything to do with agencies, etc., the more psychopathic ones, just like big business, get up to the top and to the top echelons of power. And they will use these forces with impunity and they have no conscience and they don't have nervous breakdowns about things um, when they reflect on it. They, they don't need uh, pills or viruses in the brain like the, the articles in the last uh, few years that, that would destroy recent memory. They don't need any of that, that stuff, you see. They don't have post-traumatic stress syndrome, just the opposite, in fact. And these folk exist, and they're assassination squads. Sure they do. They used to have up on YouTube some of the assassination squads of other countries going into hotels, very well organized. You can see the training involved as the first uh, little team goes in, blah, blah, blah. 
sets her up. The second team go in, they go into the room, bump off the person supposed to be bumped off. And the next one, the cleaners go in and clean up any fingerprints and so on. And, and before then, you see them all going to the airport to picked up on you know, security cameras. Yeah, yeah, this happens all the time, this kind of thing. Absolutely. So you've got to grow up. And it's not, it's not pleasant growing up from a, a nice security, the feeling of a child, you see. If, if you're lucky enough to have decent parents, if you're lucky enough. Because remember, your parents have been under attack too. If you have parents, in fact, in this day and age, under tremendous attacks to destroy them and their relationships, etc. And to cause incredible dissatisfaction by many different techniques too. And definitely the children suffer. But if you grew up with, with a, a happy childhood uh, and a good schooling where, where everything seemed happy, happy, and the teachings weren't brutes, then you're probably well indoctrinated into the, the world's all quite nice. Because in reality, it's not. I remember years ago going over how much money is taxed off us that we can get our hands on, the records that is, because we don't get much truth on anything at all from our very secretive governments. And how much money we spend, forget their wages and so on, and the the big handouts they give to their pals or relatives and the big corporations and so on. Because most big businesses today are, are, are funded by the public public-private partnerships, they call it. We used to call it just grand theft, but now it's public-private partnerships. And it sounds much better, doesn't it? But when, when you realize how much money we're spending for wars, for wars that have got nothing to do with defending us, the ones who are paying for all, for wars that don't even benefit us for, with plunder, we don't get the plunder either, like they did in the old days. And it's and for other reasons altogether. But when you see where it all goes to, how on earth could you possibly call yourself free? Why would you even vote for such a system as that? And why would you ever believe up any politician when when they promise you anything? Really? Really? I perpetual childhood brought up by good parents and cotton wool and lots of fairy tales and decent happy schooling and you're never hungry etc etc well brainwashed well conditioned but as i've said before not everyone can handle truth and we've all experienced it i'm sure talking to some people who are nice people but but you you, you see their eyes clouding over because you you've when you give someone truth on something and you're not berating them, uh, like, like some kind of street evangelist accusing them of anything, but, but you're just telling them some quiet truth. All truth uh, requires a response from the individual. Because knowing something, just knowing something, uh, makes you have to decide things. We're quite happy to decide things if, if we don't have to act on anything. But some truths almost demand that you, you act, even if it's just as something so simple as occasionally telling a person about the same conclusion you've come to on a matter. But when it comes to overloading a person, never overload a person with too much information. They'll switch off quite naturally too. When you've had a lifetime of indoctrination, especially with the drivel 
that they give you today called news. Do you really expect them just to say, oh, I understand it all. Okay, thanks for telling me. I've seen over this last while some top reporters, top reporters, who've played the game, because they all play the game too for their own survival, but top ones admitting now that they're going to sites for news, which they would never have dared to go into before because you can't get anything real on the, on your, your, your main so-called above-board media. That's that bad today. And it truly is. There's also a technique being put into place which folk haven't quite caught on to. It isn't just the banning of factual news. It's the purposes of it. The purpose being you're being trained into a system for a global society, different, a different society from the one you had when you had a nation. And society is training you uh, into a system, a global system, where you'll be run, again, by professionals, the experts, the, the technocrats, basically. And you'll only be told enough to, to keep the system going. And, and anything really relevant, you will not be told. Very much like the, the, the communist system of, of China right now. Very, very, very similar indeed. Where you don't have to know all these things. They'll, they'll tell you what they think about, and they'll tell you what you should know. But definitely um, a lot of things will be forbidden you think about, or even talk about, etc. And we're seeing that being implemented here now. And so it's for a, a post-nation state, basically, into a world state. We're being trained. And, and eventually, very quickly, maybe 20 years maximum, by 20 years, everybody will just accept that what's given, dished out, is news, even though there's nothing there, really. But they'll accept it as all being quite normal, and that, that things that they, they weren't told, if they ever crept out one way or another, they won't even anger them that they weren't told, that they won't expect to be told anything that really, really matters to them because you're going into a collectivist society. Now, I'm just going to mention a few articles. I've got, I did, for, for once, I got a stack of articles of things I've been thinking about and, and looking things up and, and collecting them because we are going through astonishing times. These are historical events that are happening and... Most people are being kept in the dark about it or treating it like it's unimportant or whatever. Astonishing events are happening. And it's not conspiracy theory when it's out of the mouths of a lot of the people involved in it. It's just amazing, but that's, that's what we're in today. So I'll mention some, of course, all tie in with a big agenda. When you do realize you're in a, a system that's to be run efficiently, that was always the goal of technocracy, to run a system efficiently. You couldn't have a democratic system. You might use uh, the illusion of a democracy, but it would, you could never have efficiency and democracy. Couldn't happen. As I mentioned before, people couldn't have all the rights either in an efficient system. In an individualistic system, you definitely, um, it, wouldn't, it would never work. You had to be a collectivist society and train the public to be the same to dress the same, to look the same, to whatever happens to be, to have the same hobbies, same interests, same, 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 same. And then, of course, you give them the same news, and they won't question it. Well, it's, that's long past that that phase. But now it's into the, the system of not just preventing pregnancy, as they overload you with sex and destroy marriage. Because, believe you me, if you can promote sexuality, 
is, is the novelty of the new, the new partners that causes their excitement. That's what they push. You understand that? And so you're never going to be happy with a, with the same partner. That's intentional. Simple warfare. What makes people bond together? Well, this is what makes them bond together. Trust and all the rest of it. How you destroy it? Well, here's how you destroy it. Entertainment, blah, blah. All done, folks. Old news, isn't it? And uh, then, of course, the state picks up, as I say, the, the problem of um, fallout from it, from like a, like pregnancy. Well, they'll deal with it. We, again, collectively, the taxpayers are forced to pay for these things. If, if you're not paying for wars and bullets and bombs, for, for big corporations to plunder countries, you're paying for other things, too, that you've got nothing to do with. And you might be against, in fact. But you're forced to do it. You're coerced and threatened if you don't pay up for these things to be implemented. Now they're going to the, the, the face again for, for the elderly. And I saw this coming years and years and years ago. And I even give talks to the 90s. It says, you know, they start first an abortion and get used to that. It's okay, you know. Dehumanize a baby into a fetus, you know, a term. And, and just, just dehumanize it. And and uh, and eventually you go for the elderly. Well, you know they're old and <laughs> they're just stupid old, smelly geezers. You know, dehumanize them, and then Quebec court invalidates some requirements for assisted death. Hmm. One of many many articles. I, and I, won't, I don't want to depress people. People want to be happy, happy all the time because of the entertainment makes them want to. They seek distraction, and. Distraction generally comes. You don't want to go anything that's, that's really, really serious. Until people can't go into anything that's serious. Until eventually they got phobias. If you hit something, say, "Oh no, don't say that. Don't read that article." Ah, oh, go on, you know. They, they they freak out. And I mentioned before about the assisted death and how again Quebec really, really pushed it fast and hard, and copied the Dutch system, etc. And I mentioned too before, but. One article like last week about uh, them holding down uh, an elderly patient who tried to get up as she was being euthanized. These are this is again the, the dehumanization process first of all, and then you make it uh, oh well you know they're they're going to see now. Well, you see Canada is now going to take the next step, which had to come, where they could actually try and encourage you. If you're going to die or go senile, for instance, within, say, three or four or five years, why not just take, take euthanasia now? As time goes on, they'll convince the people to go along with that very quickly because you, you could be a burden on society. I mean, you feel, feel guilty that you're still living. I'm not kidding you. This is all what's, what's going, going on right now. So I'll put this article up there. And in Canada, moving to allow human euthanasia for certain diseases and illnesses while bullying hospices to murder patients as part of palliative care. For those who want to read it, for those who, those who want to be happy, happy, just continue on your merry way. Until it's your turn, maybe, when, they, when the state decides that, uh, why should they keep you alive? Remember what, what, which, one of the founders of the Fabian Society, George Bernard Shaw, said, eh? And there's an audio out there, it's actually a film clip, early film clip of him, saying that when we are in control, meaning the, the, this true socialistic system of technocracy, he said, if we're in control, you'll have to come to us and argue why we should keep you alive. 
even if it's a healthy person, if there's no work for you, for instance, why should they keep you alive? Huh? So anyway, it mentions Quebecers who went right to seek medical-assisted death after both have been turned aside by their physicians. Because now they're going into it, you see, the same as, as, as Holland went into it. And start to add more and more categories, like, oh, they're depressed. Even for a teenager, oh, I'm depressed. I'm a teenager. Oh, big deal. I can see in the end of the world being depressed when you're a teenager and, until you really mature. Huh? They used to call it growing pains, and being depressed on and off is part of it. And who says you're supposed to be manically happy for the rest of your life except for the ads that you see on TV? Hmm? Buy this and you're, ha, ha, ha. No. You're not supposed to be happy all the time. There's a stable state in between. So anyway, they're going further and further and keeping adding to the different categories uh, to, to have you bumped off, you see. Now they're having lawyers' debates at all. And of course, we've been teaching this under bioethics since at least the 90s openly. That when they first gave us on television, oh, he's a bioethicist. Who's a bioethicist? Yeah. Or someone who's trained in ethics or biology, meaning the human condition. Oh, really? Wow. So these folk then are the ones who will decide if you live and die, you see. Yeah, we went through a course on it, and uh, we've decided that it's not, it's not fit that we should keep you alive, even, even though your mind's okay, and we could keep you alive, but uh, it costs a few bucks, and we could use that a few bucks for this big corporation that's going to go off and have wars and so on, you know. That's how it's done. That's the real world. And as I say, you wonder why a lot of folk can't handle the real world. It's a horror show. This real, true reality, folks. It certainly isn't a, a human or humane system. Although the ones at the top will say it's survival of the fittest, and they see themselves as the fittest. That's how it is. Very simple. And then this article too. Why everyone is talking about free cash handouts as an explainer on universal basic income. Most folk don't understand what it is, but again, that's what Bertrand Russell discussed in the 1940s. They'd eventually bring in, uh, and they'd give you credits issued by the states. And now it's, everything's electronic, you issued so many credits, or it doesn't matter what they call it, uh, for, for money. It's credits, but it's a method of controlling you as well. But it'll be announced, actually, it's a wonderful thing for these folk who get a guaranteed income for sitting at home and having no work and no purpose and, and being depressed, you see. And then, of course, down the road, they'll, they'll actually have you euthanized for it. Because you don't want to live like that with no purpose, do you? Do you really? Do you really want to live like that and have no and be a burden on people? Well, after all, we're giving you free, free money every month, you know, just for... You think I'm kidding, eh? <laughs> it's an agenda. Agenda. Hmm. So I'll put some of these links up for some of the stories. I say so much of this stuff now you can't even say anymore. Because the ones at the top uh, mean business, it, it, you know, the, the teeth are showing and uh, the glove is off, the, the velvet glove is off the fist, the iron fist. Jobs of the future are clustering in a handful of U.S. cities. Such study finds, oh, wow, what a revelation, eh? Agenda 21. Everyone must move off the, off the rural areas into the over, already overcrowded cities, eh? And then you had the UN declaration of mega cities and super cities, etc. And then they gave a whole list of, remember the, uh, the military department of defense, the big think tank, I read it on the air years ago, 
when they said that um, we'll have the end of the nation states and a global system, but there'll be the, the closest thing to any sovereignty will be super states, national states or cities within this this world conglomerate. It's all there, you know. You're you're living an agenda. You understand? If things were just developing willy nilly, you could have all kinds of alternatives to everything. But nope, no. You go along a definite agenda, folks, with the super cities. Oh, jobs of the future clustering a handful of U.S. cities, study finds, yeah. And that's what is happening. They're building high-rises in a lot of the cities. But it's to bring in uh, the, the ones who are involved in, in the, the electronic tech industry, computers and so on. Of course it is. And these people are now nomads. They call them nomads, according to Jack Satali in his books. Uh, up at the United Nations, of course, that's where he is. And he's, he's the one who, who said the winners and losers in the coming New World Order. And then there are one too, A Brief History of the Future. Where everybody's got their nomadic devices, you know. That's what your little communicator is. And you'll travel around the world. You'll just go to where the work is when, when you're called. You'll, you'll have no real basic home or permanent home, etc., etc., for the, for the up-and-coming technocratic types, you see. It's all there. But the cities, of course, are to be super cities, and you get off the land into the super cities by the end of the nation states, of course. Agenda. But people living through, even though they hear it, still don't want to believe it, even when it's happening, even when eventually they'll end up in a super city and, and, uh, and at the end of their national sovereignty. And I mentioned too the previous week that, that a Romanian-born academic says he recently left his tenure position at Columbia University because the Ivy League school is on its way towards full-blown communism. This is a guy who was brought up and left Romania because of the communistic system when it was under it. And now it's, it's, he's, he's, he's left his tenure position at Columbia University in the States because uh, it's going to be full-blown communism. To change the future, you must always get to the young. You see the up-and-coming managerial class. You brainwash them and you promise them utopias, and they become tyrants over the rest of the public to, get, to make them all conform. Mind they paid well to do it. And folk, folk do an awful lot of things that they're paid well. Another article too, Afghanistan War, the Crime of the Century, by Ron Paul. But I remember it when they first went into Afghanistan, how they planned it before 9-11 happened, of course, and and, uh, and they went, and they, they remembered Russia, that was its Vietnam, and the U.S. already had its Vietnam, remember? And this was have learned from that, don't get bogged down in a long, drawn-out war that you can't really win, or you wouldn't be allowed to win, put it that way. That's for sure. The, the same thing happened. They went right in after the, the Soviet Union had exhausted itself in, in Afghanistan and other places, but mainly Afghanistan, and took over from there. Did the same darn thing up until this day. And, and they're bogged down, got no further forward. Everything's corrupt there as it's always been. And it's the graveyard of nations, Afghanistan. That's what they used to call it. Uh, invaders always get bogged down, exhausted, bankrupt, and uh, and that was it. Mind you, the U.S. did. Uh, and I hate to say the term is U.S. The U.S. is just another satrapy of world ownership of their, their true world rulers. And the U.S. did put in roads to, to big areas for, for heavy-duty mineral resources 
They built them all and all that. So tax tax the taxpayers uh, of America, just like Britain did for Cross India, and that with putting railroads, etc., for the owners of Britain to take all the loot out and the resources. They did the same thing for the U.S. and Afghanistan, and they paid for it all, thanks to the taxpayers. And then they even guarded the convoys of, of Chinese trucks coming in to take the resources out. It was a deal they'd made with it. It's just astonishing, the things that go on, isn't it? Eh? Really. And if you dig into the, the corporations, really, that owned it all, it's the same old bunch again that are awfully well known for being involved in heavy-duty mining and minerals. But anyway, this Afghan, uh, Afghanistan war crime of this century, I'll put that up to. And it's not bad, it's just the truth. And for, forget politics, or forget Ron Paul and politics, but the, the, the facts are the facts, as he puts them out there, at least on this particular issue, put it that way. I'll put that up. And then this article too is interesting. Boris, the new Blair, you don't understand how you're presented with, with people to, to, that you're supposed to like or dislike or whatever in politics. It's all built up for them, and they play their parts awfully well. Uh, whoever the politician or leader or, or pretended leader happens to be, like Boris, amazing guy, this Boris Johnson, as I want to call him, although he's got a long, long family history from all over part of Europe and elsewhere. It's called Boris the New Blair. It's by Peter Hitchens, and he gives you some of the the personality type of Boris Johnson, and the history of him too. Now, he's been, and it's true, he's been put in there as the conservative leader of Britain, right? This guy, now remember, he was the mayor of the city of London. If you're the mayor of the city of London, you're part of the, the folk who own the country, you know? But, but Boris is good at playing the part of the clown, so he's been put up. Uh, it's, it's a change from Theresa May, you know, that's all. It says, he attended the most expensive and snobbish school in the world, which is Eton. Um, he speaks the language of P.G. Woodhouse heroes in a, a waffly, archaic voice that invites derision. Yet he has persuaded legions of the nation's poorest and most deprived people to vote for his Conservative Party, a party they have been brought up to hate. It's really interesting, too. There's a lot going on in the Labour Party, and I really don't play politics. Because it's all, it's, it's all corrupt. And, but but with, with the Labour Party... And Corbyn, Corbyn's been having trouble for the last two years, and it was in the papers as to who was causing the trouble, because they wanted someone else in, and and they got Boris in, and they'd be very similar to what they had, and again the old alliance of the the hands across the water, the pond between the U.S. and Britain, for the next war, and this is what everybody's really uptight about, because it, it looks like you know that's what they're doing right now, is getting ready for the next war for Iran, as we all know. It's well publicized, if you care to look. And it's on the list. It's got to be fulfilled. Everything on the list, every country on the list has to be knocked out in the Stone Age, you see. So behind the clown face of, of Boris Johnson, of course, he gets elected in as some kind of savior because everybody's so, so sick of, of Theresa May and the Brexit idea that it's went nowhere. And again, they hammered uh, this archaic system of, of uh, socialist labor of Britain it's inter- totally international. Why vote for a system that's going to make you, you know, international? Why would have a national vote for it to start with? Think about it. But, but apart from that, there was, there was, he was hammered and, uh, and hammered and hammered by certain factions to split him up and to make the public think that he, he was really against certain things that were just naughty and bad and nasty. That was all intentional. 
And remember, too, that there's a bit of leeway amongst political parties, as Carl Quigley talked about. The ones at the top are allowed a certain amount of competition, but the ones at the top always play the game once they're in. They all swear allegiance to play the game for the ones who really own the country. Anyway, it says here, what's more radical, a patrician swell, a swell is like the, a big swell guy, you know, who openly lives in the, uh, in the nation's most famous house with a woman who is not his wife, after a well-publicized life of unfaithfulness to the woman who actually is his wife. <laughs> or a lower middle-class ultra-leftist, uh, that, that's Corbyn, who used to take holidays in East Germany and has an incurable liking for Latin American revolutionaries and unlovable Middle Eastern Islamists. But it's, it's, when you look at it from a perspective of just where did the time fly, that this is of someone who's, a, who's pretending now they've sold you as a conservative. Isn't that amazing? Eh? Boris Johnson, conservative. Uh, uh, so it's really something. Peter Hitchens explains it because he was a Marxist too. Everybody was churned out of the universities back in Hitchens' day. It turned out as a Marxist. Why would a country too, that, that, and these universities, believe you me, really do exist on big handouts from the government, the taxpayers? Oh, absolutely. Maggie Thatcher went through a lot of derision about that too, which just said, well, we've got to keep subsidizing these private places like this because they turn out they're our future leaders who must know each other and meet each other when they're students. And, you know. But uh, here's Pierre Hitchens. He went through it and he, he became a Marxist. He says, who knows what happened to the revolutionary cause that it shifted from storming the barracks and the railroad station to infiltrating the TV studio, the school and the university. I would always go for the cultural and moral action as against the political gesture. And the patrician Tory leader Boris Johnson is a revolutionary, the harbinger of the future. The bearded militant Jeremy Corbyn, a relic of the dead past, just 20 years ago and perhaps less than that, Mr. Johnson's personal life could have been tolerated in a prime minister only if he kept it secret. But his private life, as his Edwardian forebears did. But to live openly in this way would have been an explosive challenge to the establishment, especially to his own party. Even now, some of his aides no doubt have misgivings about it, but I'm sure he will overcome them. He genuinely sees nothing wrong with what he does, and so others learn quickly to see nothing wrong in it either. And there's other reasons too, which he doesn't go into here. There's a good enough article about how they can sell you anything, can they? They they really can sell you anything. Like they, they, they sold Americans. They gave Americans the choice of Hillary Clinton to vote for, and people literally would have voted for the Satan at the time and presented you with Donald Trump, because no one wanted Clinton in. And Trump, of course, literally, I couldn't believe it, folk believed it. There was no choice for people to vote for in America, in reality. There really wasn't. And the little bits I listened to and read about from Trump it didn't make me any, you know, any pro-Trump or anything. Because he, I listened to what he said at the beginning, before he got in. And but much of the stuff he was talking about then, he's done. Right down to even increasing surveillance on every citizen and, and really helping the research and development for more surveillance equipment top companies, not just American companies either, by the way. Uh, no, no, I, it was rather open to me what was going on there. And now it should be open to everybody. But there was nobody to vote for. But they can really sell you it, can't they? they, they they're awfully good at selling you these uh, fake leaders. Another article, two epic cop-out world's climate chiefs at the, the, the Conference of Parties, 25, they call it, decide it's just too complex, the whole idea of uh, 
saving the world for the climate and carbon and so on. So they kick the carbon emissions can down the road till next year, right? Because they just can't get through what they want to get through to tax us for existing, you see, through this con or carbon dioxide, etc. I'm going to tell you, we really are in Plato's cave, and everything, uh, if you're brought up in the cave, everything will, will be real to you. All the shadows are really just, you know, these are ancestors. This is the spirits of their ancestors going back and forth in the cave. That's what, that's what they are. It's got nothing to do with, if you look back, if you were able to look back and see the light outside there and realize that, no, there's people passing and animals passing outside the cave there. It's casting these shadows. You mustn't see that, you see. We're in the cave. Anyway, this is the disgraceful collapse of the COP25 gab fest in Madrid. Well, it was running two days over schedule. is an indictment of everything uh, those in attendance purported to stand for. Because people are just fed up with it all. Because uh, at least enough people are now starting to see that this is a complete financial scam and also for total control of the planet and everybody on it. Of course it is. Yes, it is. And that's not conspiracy theory. It's from their own mouths from many years past. And I've got <laughs> stacks and stacks of their own publications and what they've been saying for many, many years. Quite amazing. It really is quite amazing, isn't it? No. Also, there's... A matter of fact, from a politician, like, again, Ron Paul, a matter of fact uh, article on the system. Congress is, is Trump's co-conspirator against liberty, it says. Imagine that President Trump spent his phone call with the Ukrainian president threatening to withhold military aid unless the Ukrainian government agreed to use the money to purchase weapons from a U.S. manufacturer. Does anyone seriously think that foreign service professionals and deep state operatives would be so shocked and offended by Trump's request that they would launch efforts to impeach him? Would Congress view this as high crimes and misdemeanors or applaud Trump for carrying out the uh, one of modern presidents' supposedly most important jobs, acting as salesman for the American military-industrial complex. But, but he, of course, he won't go into the fact, though, the truth. The fact, if Trump went off and got the wars over and done with, and really went, you know, hammering tongs against Syria, because that's on the list too, they haven't finished that off yet. And also Iran. That was part of the reason he got put in, not by the people. And they've got to get on. And really, they're building up for for it now. They're, Trump's got more and more troops going on quietly all the time, over and over to the bases around Iran, and they're building up to it. And I'm no doubt Boris will will be getting it. He'll, be, he'll do his Tony Blair bit. That's part of the that previous article I mentioned that he's he's kind of like Blair in that way, getting ready for the the big one. And Trump will be a, the, the, every media outlet will be suddenly praising Trump suddenly overnight if he gets the wars going. That that's a fact. That's just a fact, folks. And neoliberal economics destroyed the economy and the middle class. And that was by Paul Craig Roberts, who says some good things now and then, you know. But it's true. It's been a, that that was part of the agenda too of eliminate the middle class. Long, long agenda that one. And once your factories were all given across the uh, to China. And all the levels of manufacturing were gone, then a lot of the middle class have gone as well, naturally, sure. And Holland, again, that's, that's got to be also oh good. And to prove to the citizens that the governments are on board with the whole, uh, you know, sustainability agenda, 
You see tractors, you know, farm tractors clog Dutch streets as farmers and builders protest over the government's nitrogen policy. They want you to stop stop using nitrogen and fertilizer for the fields and your crops, you see. Again, start taking down your food supply, which is energy, and you'll see illness and creep in and malnourishment and death. There you go. Also, fresh evidence that the United Nations watchdog suppressed report casting doubt on Assad, that Syria's Assad gas attack. Awfully important article, actually, where people who are paid to be watchdogs went in there. And they said that the heavy powers wanted them to say that Assad was behind these gassings, but he wasn't. This is a good article. I'll put up the links for this one. For anyone who cares to look, most folk don't care if it's not titillating, you know. Because we're entertained to death and folk want to be entertained even through what they think is the news. Goldman Sachs reportedly in talks to admit guilt paid $2 billion fine to sell a probe into Malaysian investment fund which they'd set up and so on. But they still come out great because you see, it says they're set to pay $2 billion in fine and admit guilt to the US government to resolve an investigation into the so-called IMDB scandal. The Wall Street Journal reported Thursday, and the deal would involve Goldman admitting it ignored warning signs as billions of dollars were stolen hmm, from a Malaysian government fund that it worked with. So here they are. I think the whole all came all together that the cost of it for to Malaysia uh, that the Goldman Sachs had had been given or worked with four and a half billion. So regardless of the $2 billion fine, they're still, they're still $2.5 billion better off, aren't they? <laughs> it's not bad. But again, it pays to have uh, friends in high places, or actually be the people in high places, isn't it? You can get a lot done that way. But it's not a bad article. But billions of dollars are stolen, right? And so there you go. It's the same Goldman Sachs that, that, that paid and had admitted that they got paid and to, to write glowing articles uh, for, for admission into the EU of Greece, glowing articles after going over the books. And, of course, Greece was not fit at the moment at that time to, to go in with the kind of money that, that they, they owed and so on. You can trust your banks, you know. Yep. That's not how the ads all go, eh? It's quite good. And uh, this article, too, is how the war party lost the Middle East it's called by Patrick Buchanan. The folk love to hate as well. But uh, the article's all right in itself. Uh, a lot of facts in it. Facts are important. And uh, for those who, who want some facts, sometimes a lot of folk don't want facts. They just want, again, titillation and, and, and ooh and ah. Or, as I said in the Bible, I called it itchy ears, you know, itching ears. Just tell me more fascinating stuff, you see. And that's what folk, because they're entertained to death now, isn't it? And then we'll go into this one here. And again, which again makes folk wonder about the, the coming war with Iran. It's, it's got Netanyahu and Pompeo push forward with the U.S.-Israel defense pact. Folk are just getting fed up with these wars, obviously. Putin and the Biden memorial pipeline to China. Again, another not bad article. Goes through some of the history, going back to 2014 deals with Ukraine and so on, and pipelines, etc. There's always much more than you hear about for, for what happens. Generally, there's money behind it all. <laughs> there's always money behind it. Money for somebody, but never for the general population. Eh? 
and then what's happening it's a good lesson to what's left of the world actually it says Swedish Justice Ministry manipulated crime statistics according to a study that's been done and released um, how they underreport certain things to try to make the situation look look happy but remember Sweden has had an awful time of mass 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 migration and courses fall out Courses fall out. I've read some of it myself until they stopped giving you most of the data on, on it. It's been very quiet in Sweden, according to the mainstream media. But uh, here you go. This article is about uh, how the, the Justice Ministry, they should Justice Ministry, how, how, what an oxymoron, isn't it? When, when it's lying to the people that it's supposed to serve. Plato's Cave, eh? There you go. Back in it again. I guess that's all I'll probably get time for. There's one article about visiting Britain's political prisoner uh, Julian Assange by John Pilger I'll put up interesting to see what you go through when you have to visit these high um, security prisons uh, it's, it's so demeaning just for the visitors to go in and out of this place it's just incredible what you see never mind the people who are actually in them but I'll put it up for those who want to peruse it Anyway, that's my time, unfortunately. It's shot in as always. And I, I could have gone for another, easy another hour or more if I just read other articles, which I'd best not to read these days because we're living in amazing times. There's so many powerful factions now, very powerful factions, that could be terribly dangerous to, to everyone. We know that. Even down to the wars are coming up. We know that. The old, the list is, uh, that, that, that was published in the 90s is still there of countries to be taken out. We all know this. These powerful institutions won't stop. They won't stop until they get uh, their wars underway and so on. And out of the wars, the, the whole world gets changed to the next step, which is all worked out as well. Carl Quigley said that wars will change all participants in the wars. Uh, the, the victors, the defeated, doesn't make any difference. They all get changed along the same road basically for what he called a form of planned progress anyway for myself Alan Watt from Ontario Canada it's good night when your god or your gods go with you 